0: Welcome back, happy listeners, to our episode, Plentiful Thoughts. We are having such a great season with SMT. We want to thank you again for all your support through this season's series, In and Out of the Fray. And now we continue our season with an episode that actually started last season in November. And it all began with Movie Night, with Nigel and I watching The Happening, a 2008 film by M. Night Shyamalan. Then Nigel brought up a book after we had seen that movie that he had been wanting to finish for ages, The Secret Life of Plants by Peter Tompkins and Christopher Bird. So, Nigel, why did you want to read this book so much?
1: Well, um, let me just first mention that I I sort of have a little bit of a bias um, for this book because um, it was published in the same year that I came into the world 1973 so so um so I have a li- I'm a bit partial uh but beyond that I think what what I find really interesting about this book is it brings into uh, focus the question of plant sentience versus plant science and That's a big discussion. And, uh, we're going to get into some of that, of course. And there's been a lot of, um, other books that we're going to talk about, uh, that, um, that also deal with plant science and, and maybe, maybe going a step beyond. And, um, but the question it brings for me is like, maybe I have, um, you know, questions of my own about, you know, what, Science can really offer us what it can how it can help us understand our relationship uh with not not only plants but just all other sentient beings um so you know that that's it in a nut in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> um you know it, what what science is capable of uh uh in terms of like the the you know if you're starting with the hypothesis that you know everything in the universe is connected and you start you're starting with that and then you know that's you know obviously science is like the wet blanket and says no (laughs) you got to prove it (laughs) and so i guess that's kind of like the frustration is so much of our like um you know i like to uh, recall this uh, f- this quote or f- phrase I've heard about. You know, today's magic is tomorrow's science, and so it's just kind of giving some scientific basis to what we already understand instinctively, intuitively.
0: Well, and that's that's kind of why I wanted you to see this this film so much. I mean, I always I always go for the. It's true. I always go for the movies. First, you know, there's always a book to back it up, but I always go mm-hmm. for the movies first. I can always come up with something. I had seen this uh, movie a long time ago. I mean, again, it came out in 2008. But what fascinated me was that they sounded like they knew what they were talking about in the movie. This concept that uh, plants can communicate with each other, and you know, there's always been this argument whether or not animals have feelings. Can do they communicate with each other? Can they communicate uh can they emote uh to us, um, you know, between us? How how close are we to our dogs? How close, you know, I mean, do they really connect with us? And so when they had suggested, when this movie, The Happening, had suggested that, you know, the the plant world, the plant kingdom was angry and decided, <laughs> all right, it's an <laughs> it's time to knock <laughs> off some of these. These, these pests, we're seen yeah. as pests right. in this film. Um, I thought that was interesting. And so I actually looked it up. I went, you know, on to, you know, Google, as so many of us do, and, and there is a science behind it. That's, you know, that's actually where I had come up with this um, book that, that I had seen online, What a Plant Knows, by Daniel Chamovitz. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, when you had mentioned the secret life of plants, see, then you know, Nigel and I, then we have to both read everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but there is there they plants can actually, when they feel threatened, they have, uh, they can emit um, toxins into the air. That is true. That was depicted in the film. It is true that they can emit toxins mm-hmm. that that can ward off other pests. And uh, a plant can not only defend itself, but then it can also nurture other plants around them, they can actually start acting as a as a family, not just Aspens do this, um, where either that where they say that the the Aspens in here in Colorado, are an, an, the one of the largest living organisms on the planet. Um, it's not just one group of trees that can do that right other trees can group together in order to protect themselves right and so i found this fascinating you know where does that take us does that mean that they that they're actually communicating or is it a process of adaptation
1: right you know who's to say yeah i mean like what kind of uh, like in this science fiction kind of scenario, you know, how much of a stretch is it to, I mean, to, to, to think, you know, that this is something that plants are already doing to, you know, they're organizing, they're communicating to, to, you know, defend themselves against a threat or a pest or something that's harmful. So, you know, what would it, what would it really take? What's the leap that we have to take in this film (laughs) and then science fiction? Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's all kinds of uh, communication going on between not just between plants, but you know, plants and other species, like even human human beings.
0: Well, yes, because and that was the thing that was brought up in A Secret Life of Plants. It was what I'm taking is that the Secret Life of Plants. This um, Tompkins and and Bird, they really they are going at this from more of a feeling perspective that plants have feelings and emotions and therefore consciousness um, versus, Mm -hmm. say, the school of thought, Chamovitz, who is maybe not so into the, you know, emotion and sentient being aspect. Right,
1: right, exactly.
0: He's he's more of... um, uh, that they do communicate, that they, but it is more of a a survivalist uh, perspective. It is it is out of, you know, surviving and thriving versus emotion and mm-hmm. thought, mm-hmm. consciousness. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a, in his book he comes right off the bat, and I actually have a quote I would like to share. It's it's um, so. You know, depending on what camp you're in, and maybe there's, there's a whole big spectrum in this in discussion, of course, but, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't make any secret about this. Um, and he, you know, he starts off the book. Um, he says, my book is not the secret life of plants. If you're looking for an argument, the plants are just like us. You won't find it here. As the renowned plant physiologist Arthur Glaston pointed out back in 1974, during the height of interest in this extremely popular but scientifically anemic book, we must be wary of, quote, bizarre claims presented without adequate supporting evidence, unquote. Worse than leading the unwary reader astray, the secret life of plants led to scientific fallout that stymied important research on plant behavior as scientists became wary of any studies that hinted at parallels between animal senses and plant senses. So he, yeah, that that's, you know, that's pretty strong. He's like, he, he, he thought the book was like a deterrent. (laughs) Uh, So.
0: And, and see, but you know, I will, I will go so far as to say though, then on in, in the next section, Literally right after he makes that statement, he goes into saying, I'll present both a historical perspective and a modern look at the topic. I've chosen to cover sight, feeling, hearing, perception, and memory. And while I'll devote a chapter to smell, I'm not focusing on taste here. The two senses are intimately connected. He's actually sitting here. One, in, one, in one paragraph, he's saying, you know, Consciousness, feeling, emotion? Nah. But they might actually smell. I don't. I don't know well, if that's contradictory just to it. He's what just, he's
1: Yeah, he's, I mean it's just break a break you know, breaking down breaking it down into very specific physiological, biological phenomena. Um and, and,
0: and yet he he's claiming that the plants don't actually have a nervous system, but that they can they have all these senses. And he goes through with all these chapters that they are sensing
1: mm-hmm.
0: but without a nervous system yeah, really yeah so like i to have it well here. it's
1: interesting I, I i had a couple of uh i was looking on you know goodreads and i was looking at like what what are the what are the people saying that really enjoyed the book and what a, what about versus the people who couldn't stand it so the so there's one that says this is from Chaz. He gave it one star, and he says, uh, "To to be completely honest, I truly wanted to believe that some of the secrets in this book are true. Perhaps some are, but even with a very open mind, I had a hard time swallowing most of this new age pseudoscience. In addition, this book is poorly organized, in dire need of editing, and at times deadly boring." Um, but he's basically saying that it doesn't follow this. He goes on to say later, uh, the research was not done under double-blind, rigorous scientific protocol. So the, you got this kind of a camp of people who just dismiss it as New Age pseudoscience. Which, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you can question some of the maybe some of the the, the processes in that were. That were used in, in these experiments and you know some of them were you know and even the, even the people who enjoyed the book this this next person gave it a five-star review um they even they don't quite they're not quite on board with the, the science end of it right um here's one from eowyn he says he, he gave it a five-star review he said What an extraordinary book this is. It doesn't follow the orthodox, well-trodden scientific pathway. Some parts are recognizably connected to, quote, regular science, and some are plainly loony. Mainstream science in many ways is blinkered and incapable of considering a lot of the radical material covered here. The most important thing, however, is that throughout runs a thread which recognizes the undeniable connections that exist between all living things, human beings and plants, obviously included. So yeah, it's just, again, it's, it's like, goes back to like, what, what do you, what, what do we understand on an intuitive, instinctive level versus what science is capable of producing?
0: And yet, okay. They, they have developed all these instruments and they talk about sensors being placed on the, the plant leaves. And when a, um, a stimulus is introduced to the plant, that they are detecting uh, movement, action—they're so they're picking up on something through these sensors, and that's all very—it's all very good. And some people may say, "Oh, well, that they consider that pseudoscience." And yet, those kinds of applications are used in in other fields, and they are—they are considered valid. You know, they are validated by other research teams, research organizations. But for some reason, when it comes to you know, plants, somehow it's not applicable. I'm not understanding this. When, you know, all right, I there was another article I read a long time ago. I'm so sorry. I do not have the name of this. But they were talking about plants. Are they are they affected by us humans, by our actions, by the environment? And there was a story about this, this guy who had this, like, a half wall. And every time uh, he would get a plant, he'd bring a plant home because that was... The location where it received the most light. The problem is, is that he'd be rushing to go to work, and he'd end up, you know, bumping the the plant, and and the plant would crash on the floor. You know, the roots would be exposed; it'd just be demolished. Mm-hmm. Well, he noticed because he wrote in to this to this person who knew about plants, and he's like, "I'm I'm finding this very odd." He's like. You know, at first, my very first few plants, they they did really well until I bumped them off the wall. He's like, but now I bring a plant home and before I even do, before anything actually happens, the plant just dies within a few days.
1: (laughs)
0: Mysteriously dies. (laughs) (laughs) Mysteriously (laughs) dies. (laughs) And so this plant expert, and again, I'm so upset that I can't remember where I read this, but I did read it. This gal, she wrote, she's like, well, there is a theory why your plants are automatically dying hmm. by putting them on this wall because that energy field or whatever has happened to your other poor plants. There's like a there's like a, a memory there, and hmm. and so the plants are like, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out that way, and they'll just die off. So somebody, she's like, I'm gonna experiment with this, and she's like, unfortunately, some plants are gonna come to harm. <laughs> Right, and, and so she did this, and lo and behold, she did find that eventually plants that had no had never been in her house before would go to this particular. She had she created a little space where a plant would just get knocked off. <laughs> her plants actually, again, never had been in her house. Brand new plants, right from the nursery. She'd set it on this thing, and within a few days, it would die without even anything happening to it. She'd water it. It'd get light. Everything it needed, they would just automatically die. So then she was like, well, let me test this. Let me try something else out. Again, less scientific, but took another plant, put it, you know, from, from her house, one that had been there, one that had no disease, nothing. She had tended to it for a long time. It started to die. So she clearly, she, you know, grabbed the plant and put it elsewhere. She didn't want any right. more plant deaths but less yeah. scientific. How can you argue that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just, it just seems like there's so much that we can, uh, we, we just under, we can understand it on a level and, and, and yet not be able to prove it. And this is, I guess one of the things that I always come back to when, you know, th- thinking about science, I heard this, I don't remember where this came from, but, but it's, it kind of blew my mind. Every time I hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, but uh, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. So it's like, if you're trying to prove something, mm-hmm. just because you don't currently have the means to, you know, demonstrate X phenomena or whatever, you know, doesn't Why mean... Why it happens, the right, mechanism. Right. So... Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's like there's some sort of memory associated with the place. Mhm. That yes, somehow plants are picking up on and um and uh yeah, so That's
0: that's a feeling. That's a that's a, a, a feeling sensor. It's not it's it's not uh what a a, a neurological thing. That that seems to me like Almost like a human would go into a house that is haunted and would have, yeah. you know, would so have Something the, the is not hair. right
1: here. Exactly.
0: <laughs> the hair on the back of our necks stand up in our arms and we're like, we need to leave.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so if plants had hair on their leaves, they would, they would be standing up. They're like, something is yes. not right in here. Something, something is, is very, very wrong. I need to get out of here. But of course... They can't walk they're so quite they're, they're, they're quite like, limited in well, uh. <laughs> <by> terms of <laughs> movement but um yeah, so our plant our our guest actually uh we were we had the good fortune of interviewing mark cullen who 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 wrote a review of um Chamovitz's book, uh, what a plant knows and you know he he talked about um one of the to- things he talked about was you know the plant's memory and um yeah it, 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 it was a great interview with with Mark, and uh, yeah, definitely go check that out um but he said, uh on his part on memory. Um, he said, a plant's ability to catalog experience in a memory may be hard for us mere mortals to fathom. However, when a pea plant is exposed to light and a tendril stimulated by rubbing it with the finger, the tendril will coil around it as if holding on to the finger, like a baby who grips your finger when you place it in their palm. The interesting thing is that when the same pea plant is placed in a dark room two hours later, it spontaneously coils around your finger without having to rub it. So yeah there's um
0: almost like a sense of security yeah
1: yeah yeah so it does have it does retain some sort of memory and it talks about that too he goes on to talk a little bit about the venus flytrap and um uh yeah he says the, the the venus flytrap can remember when the tiny hairs on its trap are touched at one end and the hairs at the opposite end touch 20 seconds later in fact it is only with that brief interval of time that the trap will shut as this timing is used by the plant to determine whether the predator is worth eating or not. So, um, yeah, they've got all these senses that, um, that are, that come into play. Um, you know,
0: well, and that's, that's where Chamovitz's book, What a Plant Knows He's talking, I I can see now, all right, he's talking about those senses versus feeling that are real. He acknowledges, I mean, at least he acknowledges that the plants do have some sense when light is is direction, you know, the direction of the light changes, the plant will move. That is a kind of a sight that that Mm -hmm. is a kind of, okay. And so when he's then talking about predators and pests, um, how reactive a plant can be uh again senses i mean he's he's not saying that the plants don't have an intelligence but i wish i could have a sit down with him and say well if they have an intelligence then that must mean i'm maybe i'm wrong but it must mean that they have some sort of consciousness
1: right that goes beyond a central nervous system and a brain and See, yeah, we we, we like to. Th- I mean, we sort of are sort of like um, what is it? What's the word? An- anthropocentric, like in our in our. We have to <laughs> we have to relate what we learn to us, right? Usually, mm-hmm. uh, like so, it's like okay. Well, how does it? If it doesn't have a brain, how does it? You know, we we're, at a, we're kind of at a loss, right? You know, it's like well, yeah, it doesn't have. It's lacking these things, so. Therefore, how could it possibly think?
0: And yet, okay, I'm a person who has plants all over my house. Uh, Nigel has been to my house. He has seen my shelves Mm -hmm. full of plants. And I will tell you that I can visibly see, and this does not take a bunch of science and sensors and all these things to tell. If I'm in a good place, if I'm, you know, good things are happening, everything's, you know, Kosher. My plants are happy; they thrive, even if I neglect them. And I'm so sorry, little darlings, as I'm looking at them right now. Mm-hmm. I can be neglectful; I can <laughs> forget to water. I, I won't even say how many plants I have; it's just too embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I, even if I neglect them, they're still happy. Mm-hmm. But if, like, say something comes up, something upsetting ha- happens, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I can. I can literally see them droop.
1: You notice a response. plants, yeah?
0: Yes, that is not that. I mean, I don't know how a scientist could harness the you know the the technology to to. I, I don't know if it just. I mean, maybe it just takes a camera, like one of those. What what are those la- time lapse cameras?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, where you you document the person's emotion or state of mind versus the perkiness of a plant, but then how do you like decipher, well, did it get enough water? Blah, 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 blah. I can tell you, I, I'm so, I'm looking at them. I'm so yeah. sorry. I'm so sorry. I need to, I need to water them all now, but, <laughs> um, but there's a visible change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's well, you brought up time lapse. That's an interesting way. Like that's, um, like a lot of the documentaries on plants, uh, use this and, uh, you you can see all kinds of things going on in terms of like and so, how are they behaving? It's like, you know, you know, only until relatively recently we not we didn't really understand how how they even moved really. And then, you know, time lapse photography definitely um, enabled us to see things in a new way.
0: Not only that, but think about the other movie that we watched, uh, What the Bleep Do We Know. Mm-hmm made in 2004, uh, it's available on Amazon. But it, ta- it, sh- it talks about this this scientist, uh, Masaru Emoto, and he wrote the hidden messages in water. Mm-hmm. And what he did was, and I, I think this is totally relevant to this discussion on whether or not plants have a relationship with us, are responsive and reactive to to us to our energy in that in the movie and in his book he took he took droplets of water and he had say that those jars of water labeled and he would put them in separate rooms and in one room he would be screaming obscenities
1: mm.
0: at you know insults just negative thoughts negative words negative phrases at right. one jar of water and in the other it was it was given the complete opposite and when he took the the water droplets to samples from the water jars and put them under the microscope the difference was was kind of actually horrifying mm-hmm. um to see the negatively charged water was it with the the crystals the the structure of the water had just been squished yeah it looked like a squished bug versus <laughs> the snowflake like crystalline formations in the in the happy water. Right. And as as he points out, we're made of how what is the percentage of water we're made of?
1: Yeah, like something. If it affects us. Yeah. A lot. It's like seventy something. Or maybe I'm thinking the planet is seventy percent water. I don't know. We're we're a lot of water too in human beings. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we got lots of water.
0: <laughs> and so and so, if if we are, you know, if we are affected by words, which that has, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that, mindfulness, all these these things, is now readily accepted that how we talk to ourselves, how we are affected by other people's words, actually has a a physical.
1: It uh, changes on a molecular. You know, you can see changes on a molecular level.
0: We we can actually yeah. become sick. So. Yeah. Again, a a fifth grader watched that movie and took some plants and did the same thing with plants. Mm. And it was in the newspaper. I think it was back east. And this little girl, she's she, they were, both plants were given over a six-week period. They were given exact same conditions in different rooms, same amount of water every day, uh, same amount of um, sunlight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Distance from the window, et cetera, et cetera. And the same plant, same kind of plant. And in one she screamed at and, and did the same thing that this guy did with the water, and then the other the other plant got all kinds of love love messages. Right. Well you can imagine what happened. A yep. fifth grader proved this. This was her science experiment.
1: So so how do you take that this the, to the next step where where's like where is the next break scientific breakthrough and like you know if if, if we can do all these uh experiments just on our own and you know uh, make these observations on our own um what's what's gonna what's gonna be behind pushing the next scientific breakthrough so that so that it even pushes the field of science maybe to um, I don't know it's like we have all these you know new ways of observing we have we can you know we can hear beyond human hearing we can see beyond human seeing and and yet there still seems to be lots of limitations in terms of what's considered acceptable science right
0: right what would be interesting is to see well okay, there is a little bit of documentation because as they, as people recognized, and it was talked about quite a bit, um, when the pandemic hit and everybody went inside, entire ecosystems came alive again. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they revived themselves just from our absence. So I wish somebody, if they were paying attention to that, I wish somebody would then go ahead and pay attention to what is happening now with all the stress and, and the, the things that are going on, you know, around the world, right, you know, these mm-hmm. devastating events that are happening right now, it's too bad somebody wasn't paying attention to this, those same ecosystems. Just seeing if they are affected, because then you're talking about negativity on a worldwide scale. Right. You're talking about, you know, several people sending, now they're out and about and they're sending off, they're get, they could be giving off all this stress. It would just right. be interesting if, if, if a group would notice what is happening to the foliage, what is happening to the vegetation in those areas, not just from, you know, physical devastation, but I'm just curious, yeah. emotional yeah. devastation. Because there was a clear mark difference when we all went inside and left nature to be alone. Yeah, we
1: just let let things chill out for a while and just stop our... Well, everything, you know, tra- like global transportation is like that, that in itself, it's like, you know, um, you know, we're burning fossil fuels and all this stuff. So when that even slows just a little bit, yeah, you can notice a difference. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. still have lots of carbon emissions, of course, but um, uh, it's, yeah, it, I don't, it didn't go totally unnoticed. I mean, people, many people pointed that out. It's like, you know, if we slowed down. Um, and actually Mark Cullen talks about that in an interview. Um, and I hope everyone checks that out too. That interview is wonderful. Talks about just, you know, uh, well, I don't want to get, I don't want to give it away. I want to people listen to it, but, um, yeah, just, just slowing down and observing what, what is happening. So. Yeah.
0: It was very good.
1: yeah. Yeah. So, um. Did you have any any other things you wanted to throw in before we before we wrap up? Well,
0: I, just that I, I I truly believe that between the two books, between the uh, you know the science behind the fact that, that plants can respond, I absolutely am a believer. You know the, the and the science experiment of experiment of of a fifth year old you know fifth grader,
1: mm-hmm. you know, on mm-hmm. the
0: East Coast. I don't, I don't think it's so far-fetched that plants do feel. Plants have some form of consciousness. It took us mm-hmm. forever to, to come to the conclusion that animals do have emotion, do feel a connection, do have family connections. Just because, you know, it took us a while to get to that understanding with them, maybe it'll just take us a little bit longer to get to the same place with the plant kingdom
1: yeah yeah we'll get there eventually (laughs) hopefully (laughs) all right well that's going to do it for this episode Um, if you enjoyed our discussion today you'll definitely want to check out our bonus episode with Canada's gardening guru Mark Cullen Uh, you can also find links to the material we discussed in this episode You can find SMT on popular social media and podcasting platforms like SoundCloud, Google, Apple, and iHeartRadio. Please stay tuned as we've got a couple more episodes to finish out our spring season. Until next time, Nigel and Natty out.